a lot of the change that you're going to try to drive is not initially going to be met with welcome arms. Uh, in a lot of ways, innovation is in and of itself the antagonist. It's sort of the villain to traditional <laughs> operations and the way things function. So I show up in the Disney movie, the Disney movie, not really being welcome. You're not really the hero. Uh, so this idea of being a catalyst, being a spark, is something you really need to embody more so than it just becomes a, def a definition. Hi, I'm Shannon Lucas. And I'm Tracy Lovejoy. And we're the co-CEOs of Catalyst Constellations, which is dedicated to catalyzing innate change makers to accelerate positive change. This is our podcast, Move, Move Fast, Break Shit, Burn Out, where we highlight catalysts that are creating amazing change in the world. In this season of the podcast, we're doing a deep dive into the skills that make Catalyst successful. And I'm so thrilled today to have with us Dr. Ryan Vega. He serves as the Chief Health Officer for Vantic and is the former Chief Innovation Officer for the Veterans Health Administration, where he led enterprise innovation efforts across the largest integrated health system in the United States. His work has spanned large-scale digital modernization efforts, design and deployment of innovative care and payment models, and early design and development of healthcare software focused on improving healthcare delivery and experience for patients and providers. Ryan also sits as currently sits as the physician in residence for the Digital Medicine Society and holds academic appointments as an adjunct assistant professor in the Department of Health Administration at Georgetown University, as well as a clinical assistant professor of medicine at George Washington University. He's the recipient recipient of many awards in healthcare innovation and has published numerous articles on the topic. We are so thrilled to have you with us today, Ryan. Shannon and Tracy, thanks for so much for having me. Uh, so we'd love to start off, like, how do you relate to the concept of catalyst? I think in some ways it becomes uh, a defining uh, mantra, more so than a definition. Mm -hmm. uh, it becomes a part of who you are, a part of your personality that you have to embrace because a lot of the change that you're going to try to drive is not initially going to be met with welcome arms. <laughs> Uh, in a lot of ways, innovation is in and of itself the antagonist. It's sort of the villain to traditional <laughs> operations and the way things function. So I show up in the Disney movie, the Disney movie, not really being welcome. You're not really the hero. Uh, so this idea of being a catalyst, being a spark, is something you really need to embody more so than it just becomes a, def a definition. Say more about that. Is is there a point in the catalyst life where we become the hero, and if so, how? So I, I think I think a lot of parts of being a catalyst is sparking imagination and creativity amongst a broader array of individuals. And to that degree, I think we do end up becoming in some ways the heroes because it cannot be about what you individually accomplish in it so far as as much as what the organization is able to deliver to the individuals it serves. In my case, uh, it would be now the customers and the individuals who are trying to develop real-time solutions to very complex problems in my role in Vantic. And formally, it was our mission to serve veterans, uh, which is a mission that we all hold very sacredly and, and certainly something I still hold very sacredly as well. Um, I love it. And I think it's such a good reminder to Catalyst. We, you know, just earlier today, we were having a conversations like, we can be disruptive. <laughs> 
right? And the more that we remember that, the more we'll lean into our empathy to bring other people along. So thanks for leading in and the good storytelling. Also, I know you're a Disney fan. All right. Um, so what are one or two of the essential skills that have made you so incredibly successful as a catalyst and maybe some stories that have helped you along the way? Like often people can talk about the, the times that they wish that they'd had it, maybe the times that they failed when they didn't have those skills. I think one is resiliency and, and that's shaped by experience. Uh, it's shaped most of the times by failures and losses. And so the ability to be sort of introspective and, and go through very hard periods of time and to understand that you come out of these things. And for the most part, and the way I contextualize things is I'm healthy. I've got a family that loves me. Uh, I've got a great job. And so things really aren't that bad. So I think resiliency, no matter what you're going through, is something that you have to contextualize and something that you have to embrace. Now, that doesn't mean that you aren't going to have bad days. It doesn't mean that you're not going to seek out help. It doesn't mean you don't need periods to vent uh, and to be frustrated and feel emotion. Resiliency is not about being emotionless. Uh, resiliency, in my part, is really about the ability to evolve uh, and to grow. So resiliency is 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 part number one. Uh, I think the second piece to this too, I, I call it sort of two sides of a coin. It's the ability to both be incredibly confident and to equally be incredibly humble at the same time. Now, those things are sort of juxtapositions of each other, right? No successful entrepreneur, no successful catalyst cannot be without confidence. The ability to walk into a room and to take, I think, out of your lexicon and replace it with, I believe, passionately, even if you're going up against great odds. But equally, if you don't have the ability to be humble, you'll never learn, you'll never be resilient. So I look at that two side of the coin uh, as sort of uh, uh, sitting in the center of the ability to then build upon uh, resiliency. So that's kind of the way I think about it. And I love that you talk about the nuance there because that is a hard line to walk. And when if we go back to the catalyst villain, often we get described as being arrogant because we're so convinced of our vision of the way that the world needs to be or the change that we're trying to create so i'm wondering if you can give an example maybe a fail of when you know you were trying to navigate the confidence and the humility the humbleness at the same time i've got lots of stories uh i mean one of the most i think publicly uh, displayed one was we, we did an event uh, at the VA called Shark Tank. And this was an opportunity for frontline employees who had developed really cutting edge solutions, or we call them best practices, to pitch their ideas for medical center directors or, or network directors to purchase, buy, invest in those solutions and replicate them. And I thought I had the greatest idea in the world, which was we're going to do this live. It used to be sort of virtual on Zoom. We're going to do this live on stage. We may do a little bit of a hybrid of it. And, and it was, it ended up being probably the most painful two hours. We had problems, people muting their microphone. <laughs> the cameras weren't working. I mean, none of it was thought out well at all. But I was so confident in the idea and selling the team on the idea that I, you know, didn't think through, hey, you know what? maybe we should actually script this out, think through carefully how this is going to work. Uh, and so I had multiple people coming on stage trying to rescue me, uh, people in the audience getting up and leaving because they're just like, this train wreck. <laughs> so, um, 
so I, that's just, I mean, it's one of hundreds of examples of, again, you have to be confident and humble. And so I walked out of that experience, not completely defeated, but recognizing that attention to details sometimes really, really matters. Uh, it was a good lesson for me to learn. And so you apply that to the next and the next and the next. Uh, and, and I could give you way more failures than successes, but one that comes to mind that played out pretty publicly. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Like me. literally on the stage, like people's yeah, nightmares. Totally. <laughs> <laughs> totally. And I love the connection that you brought that back there at the end is, which I think feeds back into the resiliency is part of the resiliency is the lesson learned. Like I didn't walk away totally defeated. I made some mistakes and this is going to like fuel my ability to be better next time, which is part of that resiliency. I'd love to double click one of the things and I've struggled with this too about the that that really interesting line about confidence and the humbleness is when we have a essence of an idea. There's a core that if it gets too diluted. Probably actually loses the value that we originally recognized for that would make it even worth doing and. We know that we have to bring other people along and hold that space and that humility and humbleness to let other people put their fingerprints on it to sort of get it through. And that's a really tough line for catalysts to navigate. And I'm just wondering if you have any advice about how to navigate that skill and the, the, the vision holding. It's really hard. I mean, one of the things I still struggle with and, and, and hopefully will continue to evolve and grow in is the ability to do sort of that horizontal management. Right. Success has a thousand parents, uh, failures and uh, it's on you. And I think part of the, the challenge is to recognize that, particularly when you're in a state in which things are working really, really well, things are moving fast and you're getting a lot of attention and the products and the services that you're delivering are, are sort of have that that flash bang effect that we we lose our peripheral vision. Uh, generally, folks like us become very focused on what we're doing. And, and we do that because we don't want to lose sight of the ability to sort of one foot in front of the other. Um, I think it's a, it's a good marker of entrepreneurship, right? We, we can get tunnel vision when we need it. The problem is, is that we lose the peripheral vision when we need it. So it's the ability to balance tunnel vision when it's appropriate, but not lose sight of those around you. And so that horizontal management and not forgetting to bring those people that you may be leaving behind along with you uh, is probably one of the most important uh, things that I have learned from not doing it well. Uh, and, and so that's the way that I look at it, right? And, and that goes back into your confidence has to be a component, not just of your own ability, but of the ability and the success of those around you. That's what makes you confident. I, I use sports analogies because it's the way that I relate to the world. Even the best quarterbacks in the world or the best shooters in the world uh, in basketball or the best hitters, it doesn't matter, right? The, the, the quarterback, whether they're Peyton Manning or Tom Brady, has confidence that when they throw the ball, yes, they're going to put a ball placed better than anyone else in the world, but also that receiver that's running the route is going to be there to make the catch. And so that has to be part of your a belief system in your confidence is that it's not just in your ability, but it's also trust in the ability of those around you. And you have to manage to that. Uh, and that can be really hard. And yes, mind blowing. That's such a great framing about the confidence about the people around you. And I'm just wondering, like, 
do you have a sensing mechanism, a self-awareness mechanism, like when you're going too far and it's like, oh, need to, or are, are you just, have you learned to start earlier with that wider aperture? Because it's, there's still some play in that. Yeah. I, I wish. <laughs> I think so, so this gets into one of the most fundamentally important components of being a catalyst is you have to have people surrounding you that are constantly going to tell you, uh, you know, that you have a stain on your shirt. If you do not have those people, uh, and and again, that's the balance of confidence and humility. They're going to tell you there's a stain on your shirt, even when no one else is willing to. Um, you have to have those people around you because it's it's it becomes innate. And I think it's part of who we are that that we become very narrowly focused and we do forget about the surrounding areas. It's not intentional. Totally, uh, it's never meant to leave anyone out. It's just a part of the way that we think and view the world. Some of, I, I think some of it is also a defense mechanism because if you don't mm. get very, very focused, then you aren't able to block out noise. And when you're not able to block out noise, you can teeter your confidence. Uh, and so I think some of ways it's a good thing for entrepreneurs to have that tunnel vision at points. You have to have really good people around you. That's what it comes down to. Uh, people, again... I, Someone's going to tell you there's a stain on your shirt and and uh, your willingness to say, oh, there is. Uh, if you don't have that, <laughs> I, I don't know that you, you're ever going to go really far. Which goes back to the, the the second part is the humbleness. Like, oh, yes, I do. Thank you for telling me. That was amazing. Great takeaways for me personally. Uh, and yeah, the people that we surround ourselves with, that's why I'm grateful for Tracy. Um, yeah. All right. One final question. So what's your, you've, you've done this pivot. You, um, you know, you, you left a really large organization or a fast moving startup. What's your biggest challenge as a catalyst leader right now? It's the unknown unknowns and it's, it's the, the lack of sort of branding that you get to bring with you when you're in a major organization like the VA, right? People want to help veterans. So my ability to call anyone around the country and say, hi, I'm with the VA, they're going to give you 30 minutes. When you come from a startup that people aren't familiar with, mostly because healthcare is a brand new market for us, they go, who are you and what do you do? Uh, and so what we must do and what is important for my role is to be able to help create a vision of the world in which software applications that can be built using the Vatic platform are going to enable people to live healthier lives. It's gonna enable hospitals and health systems to provide more effective and efficient and safe care in an easier way. Look, technology is becoming increasingly complex and most organizations, whether they're in the healthcare or not, have no idea how to make sense of things like generative AI, new types of, of IoT devices, and a lot of the way we experience the world is in real time, right? Going back and looking at something doesn't really help me, right? So the idea of, you know, sending me advice on different types of nutritional habits or, or groceries I should have bought when I got home and I'm unpacking them doesn't really help me or telling me that this is something I should buy, but not knowing real time that that inventory is actually available in a store doesn't help me. These systems are really complex, but they have the opportunity to change the way that we think about the production of health and wellness. And so my job and the hardest part is how do I get that vision out there? How do I sell that vision and convince enough people that it's worth building towards that vision? Uh, and so I think that's really the hard part. And most entrepreneurs in startups feel this exact same pressure. Spot on. 
And your passion for this, I think, is also going to be the answer to that. Like you just beam, you radiate. You're such a great storyteller talking about the purpose and impact of the work that you're doing now. Thank you for sharing your wisdom. I'm going to hand you over to Tracy for rapid fire. Aligned to Shannon's sentiments, getting to hear earlier about your vision of the work you're doing. I have zero doubt, Ryan, of your ability to be bringing it to the world. So they, they picked the right person, that's for sure. So tell me, what is, you're welcome. It's true. It's true. So tell me one thing that you do to be ready for a big meeting. Rehearsal. It's something I didn't do previously. Uh, you need to rehearse. Look, I, I, I'm, you can be the greatest orator in the world. You need to rehearse. And, and more importantly, it's not just rehearsing what you're going to say, but it's visualizing who that audience is and trying to understand what is it that's going to connect with them. I mean, you, know, you put me on stage for 30 minutes and I'm going to ask somebody to sit there and listen to me. I need to put myself in their position. I need to understand why am I going to spend 30 minutes of, of my time listening to this individual? And generally speaking, the better I've gotten at rehearsing through that, visualizing what's going to compel somebody and say, I actually took away something out of that has made me a better orator. It's actually made me a better storyteller. So you have to think of when you're writing a book, how is the reader going to respond to this? If I'm just writing a bunch of words on a page, so what? So I think it's the preparation, but it's not preparing what you're going to say. It's preparing and thinking through the delivery and whether that's going to land and stick knowing the audience that you're going to be uh, talking to. I think that's the most important thing, right? Because that could be a board meeting. It could be a sales mm -hmm. pitch. Uh, it could be a large audience. It doesn't matter. Those are all audiences that are listening to you and want to walk away with something. And you need to think mm -hmm. about that and then uh, rehearse from that level. I love it. So it's rehearsal is almost the very last thing that you're doing before you go in. It's that preparation of really thinking about the audience and the outcomes that you want with them. And then the rehearsing. Right. Yeah. yeah. Writing a speech and then just practicing the speech is, is kind of irrelevant. Um, because you really need to know who you're talking to. Why does it matter to them? That shapes the context, that shapes your delivery, it shapes your ability to think about how to connect with them and meet them where they are. I love it. What is your favorite way to spend a free day? Uh, napping? <laughs> no, I have a six and four year old, uh, my oldest Kate, my youngest uh, Jake. Uh, and so Lindsay and I, and I think we, we stay pretty busy with them. And it's just, it's trying to keep up with them and, and spend as much time with them at every stage of life that they're at. Because there's one thing I'll never be able to buy in this world, and that's time. Yeah. Uh, I heard Shannon mention that you're a Disney fan. How does that show up in your lives as a family? Uh, uh, I, I hide that, but I am enamored. <laughs> Sorry. Uh, no, no, no. It's, it's okay. Look, no, no, look. My wife and I went on our honeymoon there. Uh, we, we didn't have much money and much time. I got married during residency, but we did our honeymoon there. Uh, and that cemented this, I think, real deep connection to the experience that's created. I, I am just enamored by the experiences that they're able to create, whether you're 85 or whether you're a three-year-old. They are able to create this unique experience. It's, I'm just enamored by it. So it shows up by uh, I'm broke because we go to Disney a lot. <laughs> I did not expect oh, that yeah. to be the, the 
final punctuation there, Ryan. That was hilarious. <laughs> but it, to your point of, you know, the preparation for a big meeting and knowing your audience, Disney is such an amazing example of deeply understanding the motivations and desired outcomes of their audience. Uh, you live you live storytelling. I mean, to me, right. that's what I think they do better than anyone else is that when you're at the parks, when you're watching a movie, there's an, there's an experience of the storytelling that they bring to life. Uh, and that, to me, is the real ingenuity and the genius behind the Imagineers. How they do that, to me, is it's something I've always been enamored by uh, and, frankly, uh, jealous of their ability to do that. So. Yes, understood and agreed. Who is your favorite famous catalyst, alive or dead, and why? Yeah, I saw this question and I thought a lot about it because uh, it's it's not an easy answer. But I'm going to give you one that's pretty personal, but but hopefully it sticks. Uh, so my first real mentor, uh, uh, Gene Peterson, we we ended up losing Gene untimely. Uh, it was a he got diagnosed with cancer and then we lost him within a couple of months. Um, one of the things he taught me that has been probably one of the most important lessons as I've tried to, to make change is he, he was, he says it in a story fashion, but you know, it's sort of like a, a parable or, or maybe a couple of lines that uh, to me encapsulate how to be a real catalyst. And he told me one time, he said, Ryan, you know, people can get out of the way of a coming wave, but it's impossible to not let the current or the undertow move you to where you want to go. So he kind of paints this illusion or this story of, you know, when you're sitting in the ocean and you sort of look up five, 10 minutes later and you realize that the, the party that you're with is all the way over to the left, you don't even realize that you're moving because you're relaxed, but you don't realize the force that's carrying you versus a wave, you can run into it. Some people surf it. Most people will get out of the way. So you cannot come into things trying to be a wave. You may have some destruction immediately, um, but the aftermath of that is not always going to be good. Um, the undertow, it's just kind of this force that's there um, and it's inescapable. And so if you can channel that, you can move organizations, you can move people uh, and you can do so in a way that uh, some ways, you know, they don't even realize that they're that they're moving. Uh, that was one of the most powerful lessons. I watched him do this at an organization. Um, I watched his ability to do this. And so it's something that I continue to try to channel. I love the connection to where you started, where you talked about that Catalyst can be the villain, right? Because you've given it a really powerful metaphor of that as a Catalyst, if you come in as the wave, even if the change is in the right direction, even if you have the best intentions, that that's, that creates destruction along yeah. the way. And if you embrace the sense of being the tide, right? And understanding what's going to make that gentle for people, you're going to be more successful and hopefully not seen as a villain. I don't, I don't no. think any of us want to be the villain, Ryan. No, I don't, I don't think, but I think, you know, look at the title of your book, right? It's the implication that you're going to break something. Um, I think you have to give people the trust around you that if something breaks, it's going to be okay, right? The reason I love sort of that undertow is what's the worst thing that happens? You just swim back to where you are. Mm -hmm. So my mind is reeling of like rethinking all of the, the metaphors that I often use. And I'm like, Ooh, 
to, yeah, being the wave of change is kind of a common thing for people to say. say. Right. Yeah. Well, look, some people will ride it, but, but waves leave behind destruction. People can get out the way. They see it coming, right? Being a catalyst is about the ability to inspire and spark imagination, ingenuity, creativity, and others. Uh, that's not easy. And so, you know, a wave of change is sort of the analogies that we use. Uh, but sometimes, you know, you often see the most change comes from where? Out of nowhere. Why? You didn't see it coming. It was always there, but it wasn't a wave. And when we look back, we can see the wave, right? We can see the force. We can see the changes in the markets. But most of the time, these things come from the points we didn't expect them to. Um, and that sometimes is the things that really change the world. Well, thank you. Thank that you. was incredibly that peaking for me and I know for Shannon as well. Our final question to you, Ryan, any call to action for our listeners? Yeah, I, look, I think it, it's be bold, be courageous and be humble. I mean, you've got to find the balance uh, to be able to do those two things. Surround yourself with really smart people, but more importantly, Surround yourself by people that are never going to be shy about being honest, honest and critical when things are going really well and supportive when things aren't. Uh, it, it is the most important thing that you can have in the journey. Uh, catalysts are unique individuals. They, they come with a very specific and unique skill set that does separate them from others. But it's one part of the skill set. It's maybe the quarterback, but if you don't have everyone else blocking for you, or running the right routes, you're only going to be as good as those around you that carry you. Um, my biggest call to action is focus intently on the people around you. Invest in them, support them. They will return to you the same, and you will be more successful because of that. It is not one of the definitional traits that we have in identifying catalysts. You're exactly right that, you know, our bias is, is seeing the big pictures, seeing the opportunities, moving into action, but it is a skill that we have to learn to really identify and invest in the people to bring along on the journey. So thank you. It's a beautiful call. And thank you, Ryan, for being here with us today. So fun. I appreciate you all having me. This was great. I'm glad. It was great for us too. So I'm glad it was good for you. And thank you so much for phenomenal, by the way. So a plug for anyone trying to encapsulate both the challenges and the amazing opportunities, read the book. Love that as well. So thank you. And thank you so much for listening. If you'd like to learn more about how to accelerate positive change, go to our website at catalystconstellation.com. And as Ryan said, be sure to check out our book, Move Fast, Break Shit, Burnout. If you have other catalysts in your life, hit the share button and send a link their way.